Today on The Breakdown, Chi Zhang is 22 years old, and he was just at the final table of the 50K High Roller Millions Germany event for party poker. And man, it wasn't just him, though. He was <laughs> surrounded by luminaries, Grant. Luminaries on his left, Timothy Adams. On his right, Mustafa Kanet. They were three-handed for all the monies. And Timothy Adams and G. Chi? <laughs> She ended up playing quite an interesting pot, which we just had to break down right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Hey. My favorite part of the opening yeah. was when you said he was at the final table, but he wasn't alone. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't just playing one-handed poker. I mean... I mean I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm going for a whole thing over here. What? It's a whole thing. Please explain it. I'm always going for the Ira Glass opening. No, I'm not. Sometimes I go for the Ira Glass opening. Sometimes I go for the more like exciting opening. I go back and forth. And it's exciting to say, no, this is more Ira Glass because I'm sort of talking about, you know, this is a person. How old he is and what's going on and the people around. It's more like the, the like the layman point of view in, you know, it's like the Luke Skywalker getting introduced to this whole universe of creatures and things in the forest that he doesn't know about. It's more like that. It's like that, huh? <laughs> Fish out of water, man. A little bit. Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't realize that the layman didn't think that <laughs> it was one-handed poker, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make any guesses about the layman does and doesn't know. That's why they're layman. If you're a layman to the point that you don't know that you can't play poker by yourself, this probably isn't the podcast for it's you. It's called solitaire, bruh. You never heard of it? That's poker by yourself? Um, how about video poker? Oh, sort of poker by yourself. I mean, it's not really poker. Sort of. You're just replacing cards. Sort of, though. You can bluff. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, On certain machines, you can bluff. Explain. I played a, a Texas Hold'em, Limit Hold'em machine where you actually play the, the machine in Texas Hold'em. Then there's two players. You're playing the machine. Oh, my gosh. Really? Wow, you are being... Horrible <laughs> towards AI. Uh, oh, I thought you imagine, were you. Imagine if 20 years down the line, you're a little Sally AI robot. Mm. And you hear this podcast. You're like, Jonathan doesn't even think I matter enough to be considered a player in a poker game. Think about that. Think about little Sally. Wait a second. So the AI is little Sally. That's one of the many AI. Why, why would it be little? They can build themselves to be anything they want. Because the they AI likes to, to mimic humanity. They want to, at least 20 Why? years from now when they're first introduced as like sentient beings, yeah. they will be attempting to blend in. This is, of course, before the catastrophic collapse of the human government. This is, when, this is when the AI still is like aspiring to be like humans, like Bicentennial Man, you know? Here's the he thing, wants though. to die, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing you're not taking into consideration is the speed at which this is all going to go. Once the AI passes humans in terms of intelligence, it's going to be building even better AIs and within the space I'm, of three days. I'm a step ahead of you. I'm, I said 20 years from now because, you know, 19.99 years from now is when that begins. <laughs> okay, but 20 years exactly no. is the period no. when little Sally is going to attempt to, to appear like a human and then 20.1, we're all dead. There's even that, that's too long. <laughs> that's too long a time span. It's days. But anyway, twenty point oh one. Maybe maybe not talk about this anymore right now. I think it's gonna be an AI podcast, guys. <laughs> What's killing us now? Let's bring on our special guest, Elon Musk. Elon, how how are you doing today? What was it like growing up in South Africa? It's fantastic being here, guys. And I've just been sitting quietly listening to you, and it's been a pleasure. 
<laughs> That's perfect. And I'd like to say I love your American accents. <laughs> okay, cool. Because he's never hung out with Americans before. <laughs> he lives in California. You have a um, very particular accent, though, don't you? All right, so let's talk about the poker. Tell me about marketing in America. <laughs> marketing? Why would you want to know about that? I want to steal cars. I think he's done pretty well at that. This is Africa, man. TIA. All right, all right. Now you're going to Leo DiCaprio. Okay. Yeah, of course I was. That was not bad, though. Yeah, it's all fine. Right. I want to thank all the listeners who, have, who are still around. We're still hanging in there. All 4,500 of you or whatever it is. You guys are great. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. You made it. Okay, so... We're going to talk poker now? I guess. Okay. Luminaries. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of light and brightness at this table. So that, that's what the lumens create. Um, three-handed in this 50K buy-in. First place is 983K. Second is 614K. So there's a big jump there. And third is 445 Right. So you can basically double what we have right now if we can find a way to win. Yeah, more than double. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, Chi Zhang, really. These other guys, they're sort of used to being in the spot to some degree. And for him, this is, this is a big deal. This, is, by the way, is his first live high roller cash of his life. Wow. Yeah. And he's 22. I mean, in a way, maybe that gives him some brazenness that maybe. he may not have if it was his first maybe. high roller cash when he's 30, when he like, knows the way of the world, knows the variance isn't always going to go your way. You know? Yeah. Um, taking down a few pegs. Yeah. <laughs> Lived in the gutter for a while. All right. So uh, it's going to Mustafa Kennett's going to fold the button and Chi Zhang is going to be in the small blind. We have 300 K big blind. Chi has 16.7 million. So over 50 bigs. Yeah. Um, similar stack to Adams, by the way, who's in the big blind. Chi has ace nine offsuit and limps. So this might be part of a holistic limping strategy. I assume it is. It might be because he thinks the stack sizes are slightly awkward to raise. I don't know. I would guess it's more likely against these kinds of opponents, he's just limping his entire playing range in the small blind. Like, he maybe he's folding the absolute worst stuff and limping everything else with a few re-raises in there. But this is... I got to believe that's what's going on. Yeah, I've, that's something I've been kind of wrestling with uh, theoretically for about a year now, the whole small blind to big blind strategy against a good player. Mm. Because for a couple of years, you know, about a year ago in three years prior, I had kind of solidified in my head that against good players, it is probably a good strategy to limp 100% of your range or fold in, in the small blind to big blind, or at least a significant portion. Mm-hmm. This is against good players when we're deep. Uh, I'm not sure if I still feel that way. I feel like we might be giving up some opportunities for just like oversizing bets and winning more than we should, that yeah. type of thing. I am. I will say, I'm just thinking about when we both made that circuit final table in Tahoe where I had a guy, I don't know if he was, a, I wouldn't necessarily call him like a great player or anything, but he was at least reasonable and somewhat competent and things like that on my left. And we played a lot of blind versus blind hands. And I went with a mixed strategy there. That was like the last time I really feel like I even really had to think about it, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, where like everything mattered a lot. You know what I mean? Like where there's like five of us left and four of us left and the money's getting interesting. And, you know, um, and I started off by limping everything. And then I decided to raise a few things, but mostly limp. But I limped a few monsters. I limped queens once and stuff like that. Um, cause he would raise, um, about like 15 to 20% of the time, something like that. And so I felt like I'd give him a chance to like lose his mind, but he dodged all the raindrops on that. Yeah. Sorry so to say. do you have any conclusions on like what oh. is optimal strategy for that type of thing? I guess what I'm saying is I'm wondering about it too, is what I'm, is what I'm coming back to. Like, I don't, I didn't have, like, I normally like to just limp that stuff a lot. Um, since we're going to be out of position, I don't really necessarily want to inflate the pot against when I assume I'm going to get called a lot. You know? Yeah. Um, even if I have a pretty good hand, it's often like 
not super great. Unless the stack sizes are 20 blinds or something, 25 blinds, we could do different things. Right. Yeah, I'm still unsure what to do small to big uh, against a good player entirely, but I'm starting to lean towards like maybe 4Xing it a lot of the time, mm. that type of thing. That's that's a reasonable move for sure. Uh, I recently definitely have come around on my big blind play in blind versus blind scenarios where against weak or strong players, it doesn't really matter. Actually, it works better against weak players, but strong players as well. When, especially late in a tournament, it's folded to the small blind and they complete... I am raising all of my garbage, like a significant raise. You get strong players, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like a significant raise, you know, like four and a half X type raise. Because they sort of realize that they don't want to play out of position in a yeah. big pot kind of a thing? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's very effective. And I think it's a huge mistake to keep just letting good players see a flop with you when you have jack four suited in the big blind because it's suited and maybe I can hit. Right. Whereas you can like pick up the pot so frequently and win on the flop if they call so frequently. That's cool. I yeah. mean, honestly, you could probably do it against the bad players, too, if the bad players are going to Oh, win. yeah, do it against the bad players, Because they're too. usually raising their good hands, right? Oh, the bad players mostly just fold preflop when I do it. It's, wor- it's right. great. Yeah, it's very effective. I think it's we're, we're completely missing out by not doing that. Cool. Just because we are so excited to get to see a flop. When yeah, we, absolutely. We're in the big one with the bad hand. Yeah. All those things, yeah. Yeah, but it's, I think it's a mistake. And I think it might be a mistake to have this holistic limping strategy in the small blind as well for, for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Like just pick up the pot a lot yeah. if you forex it. yeah. Yeah, that's not impossible. Because, like, honestly, unless you're really deep, you don't really want to call without a reasonable hand. Like, you have to be, like, Federholtz and stuff like that to call with, like, the, you know, 9-7 offs of the world if the guy 4Xs it, right? Right. I mean, like, you don't have to be, but, like, Federholtz is going to call that because you're like, well, I'm in... I, my, my, my advantage of you... Position in me is enough of an advantage to overcome whatever my... Whatever a lot of my holders sure. are here. But, like... Against a good player, I'm not going to be that interested in calling with a hand like that when they forex it because you're just like, oh, God, like, cool, I'm going to flop a pair and then pay off, like, once or twice. It's going to suck. Yeah, I think um, the origin of this good player strategy of limping the small blind almost entirely against another good player came up, was born out of the sizing of the day, like, because people were unwilling to, to choose bigger sizing in spots, even mm. small to big, because they just felt like it was bad. It was yeah. like... Con- always considered bad to size big pre-flop, which mostly it still is in most positions to size like super huge. But like, I think if you're going to mess with the dials a little bit and find like kind of build a better mousetrap for blind versus blind play, you have to allow yourself to size pretty big in those spots because the reason people started thinking, okay, I should limp a lot is because they're still two and a half axing it instead of min raising and like right, and the big works. blind's calling all the time and yeah. you're just out of position against a good player with it's, more in the pot. It's a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like you and I have become like real advocates for big sizing with preflop raises for a lot with raises, period. Just like sizing big in a lot of spots, not yeah. just this one, because why would you ever want to give your opponent like a really good price to call? Like, and if you have a big hand and you want them to not fold, you still have to balance all the times when you do want them to fold. So you still have to like, you know, you just can't you can't be obvious with your sizing. So it just seems like big sizes work better in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, not not. I wouldn't like four x out in a normal position pre flop. Just like no, of course yeah. not. Of course not. No, yeah. you can two point something x that. That yeah. still works. Yeah, um, but it's different, right? Right. Of course. Yeah. Anyway, okay. little tangent, but I thought it was an interesting topic. It was. Thanks. Um, so Zhang does do the completing thing though with his Ace of Hearts, Nine of Spades, with his fifty plus big blinds. Um, Timothy Adams, who has been playing these high rollers forever now. I mean, we recently did a hand with him against Fabian Quas from 2012. Yeah. That was right. a 100K high roller. Um, so his backers haven't gotten bored of backing him, I guess. Wow. 
That is a bit of a shot at Timothy Adams. It's not. I just don't. Shots fired. I don't Get really your think, head down, Tim. I don't really think any of the pros are buying themselves into these things. Grant's coming after your head with a scythe, apparently. What percentage of the pros do you think actually buy in for 50K full? Um, the pros, 2%. Yeah. 5%, maybe. Probably closer to 2 than 5. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like if he was doing well, then why would, it, why would you wonder if his backers were bored of, you know, or like done with doing it. If he's making the money every year, well, I don't know. that's maybe, why it's shots fired, bro. Maybe it's just a poker face thing, but, but he seems like kind of a boring guy. So maybe <laughs> they just don't want to talk to him anymore. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of poker players are boring guys. That is absolutely the case. And we're sorry, poker players, because we know you're our listening yeah. audience, but it's hard to find. You know, it's true. It's hard to find a poker player that's fun to talk to. I don't want to talk about hand histories for 19, 19 hours a day, please. I know. Or, or really most anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about anything ever. I want to sleep. So, yeah. You got to find the poker players who want to talk about, like, the eventual heat death of the universe and yeah, topics, yeah, of, yeah. topics of that nature. You know, what's Avatar 4 going to be like anyway? Like, that's <laughs> what I want to talk about. Are like, they still going to be blue? They're making four avatars right now. Two, three, four, and five, all at the same time. How do you plan for Avatar 4? What happens in Avatar 4? This, this is the conversation I want to have. Yeah. Also, like Damon in San Diego, I'm looking at you. Also, like, what's actually at the center of the Earth, though? Yeah, like, is it marshmallows? Probably not. Oh, because it would be too hot. It'd be really hot for marshmallows. Okay, like like, like, fluff. So is it like chocolate fudge? Because that can melt. It's good. I mean, marshmallows can melt. Everything can melt. No, but you don't want to melt the marshmallows too much. Are you you crazy? You don't. Never had a s'more. Obviously, never had had a s'more. s'more. Okay, and you you must love them. I think they're pretty good. They are quite quite delightful because of the graham cracker. Okay, anyway, <laughs> Timothy Adams is in the big blind. He's got queen of diamonds, four of clubs. Yeah. He's got 13.2 million in front of him, so under 50 bigs, but he's still relatively deep. He's got 43 know, four, blinds. 43 blinds, yeah. Um, and he does what I was talking about and decides to raise. Yeah, 44 blinds even, yeah. Decides to raise? Yep. Yep. With and the queen four. Yeah, he almost 4Xs it. He makes it 1.1 million. Sounds uh, sounds pretty reasonable to me. Yeah, I might have gone a little bigger, but but it's come on, probably it's going to work to fold a lot. out the same amount of the range. Yeah, yeah. but of course, Chi doesn't have one of the hands he's choosing to fold here. He has an ace, correct? A decent ace, ace nine. So he calls. Yeah, uh, seems like it would be a bit suicidal to three bet this hand. Yeah, that would be a bad bad idea. The problem is you're out of position with a hand that it's hard to flop amazingly well with. Correct. And when you do flop really well, it's hard to get a lot of action, right? You have to flop ace-nine-x, and he has to have an ace-two. Yep, that's exactly what you have to flop. Or he has to just rep like crazy. Yeah, maybe you could flop nine-nine-something, and he has an overpair. I guess you could just flop an ace and hold on and hope it works out. Yeah. But like, but these are not like the greatest of plans. No. But what are you going to do? This hand's way too good to fold. Yeah. So you just got to do this. Some hands just dictate that you have to be in kind of a poopy spot. Yeah. And it's like, is... I'm just going to miss a lot and fold. It's yeah. fine. Um. So the pot now is 2.35 million after the preflop action. Mm-hmm. And before we talk about what happens on the flop, maybe we should talk about Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. No? No, think I think so? we should. Okay. I think we should. Then explain to Let's me. Let's talk about it. What do, what do you want to explain? I, I don't know. I thought you had thoughts on Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. I do. Okay. I have lots of thoughts okay, on do- Nitrogen Sports Poker. Okay. Please explain them. Oh, I have to share them? Yeah. I feel like my thoughts are, my positions are well known. But I'll, I'll restate that. Okay. <laughs> Nitrogen Sports Poker is a great place to play poker. Actually, it really is. Uh, they've got great software. They are not just a poker room. They're also a casino and a sports book. 
They are legit human beings. They don't like screw people <laughs> over. Not little Sally AI. Our, yeah, our, our experience with them has only been one of they're like totally honorable as, a, as an organization. Um, I've actually had a lot of dealings with them even before they started sponsoring us where they've done things that they didn't have to do, which made me respect them more where they like, you know, they like the one, the one, the one example we used to talk about a lot was where we, they accidentally guaranteed a Bitcoin for our, one of our smaller tournaments. And, uh, then they just guaranteed it anyway. When I, I told them about it, cause I knew it was a mistake and they were like, ah, it's fine. Just leave it. So instead of it being like, it was like 10 or 15 times bigger than it was supposed to be. Yeah. Something, maybe even more, maybe 20 times. It was crazy. And they just went with it and they were fine with it because they were like, well, Christmas for everyone. That's yeah. nice. And they didn't, they didn't mind. Um, and that's not what a, not what a lot of the other kind of places would ever, ever do ever. Right. And speaking of those tournaments that we host there on Nitrogen, we do have Poker Guys exclusive tournaments. If you want access to those, you have to use the link in the description Must. of this podcast when you sign up. It's super easy, like Jonathan said. So use the link, sign up, come play with the Poker Guys, enjoy some sports betting and some casino games too. Yeah, it's a Bitcoin-only poker site, so everything moves at the speed of Bitcoin, which is quite fast. Yeah. If you're wondering, you know, like 20-minute uh, deposits and withdrawals. That's pretty cool. I know we haven't always been perfect with our attendance at these poker guys tournaments, but we are going to get better starting this month. We're going to be there. It's going to happen. We're going to be playing. We want to see you there. We want to see you and your whole family. That's right. All of you. Little Sally. Um, so use the link in the description when you sign up and we'll see you there. Okay. Okay. Cool. What's next? All right. 2.35 million in the pot. We got Chi Zhang with ace nine off in the small blind. Ace of hearts, nine of spades. Timothy Adams with queen four off in the big blind, having raised queen of diamonds, four of clubs. Yep. The flop is jack of diamonds, nine of clubs, seven of clubs. Yep. So Chi flops decently well for his hand. Uh, this is kind of a terrifying flop for Adams against Chi's range here. I mean, it's, it's just bad. I mean, it's bad range versus range for sure. Yeah. I mean, terrifying. Are we overstating? Maybe. I mean, maybe we're overstating a little. Why are we doing a podcast if we aren't doing hyperbole? Like every podcast is like, and then the paint dried really, really hard. I mean, I know I've already mentioned him on this show, but Ira Glass, not the most hyperbolic guy. Yeah, but he has no success podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a friend of yours, right? Just He's some guy. Ira. Yeah. yeah. Crazy Ira. Crazy Ira. Anyway, back to the hand. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so Jack nine seven two club flop. Yeah, uh, Chi checks. I don't see any other options for him really. Mm-hmm. And Adams decides to check back. I yes. think that must be a range based thing, right? One hundred percent is a board slash range based thing, right? It has to be. Yeah, it may not even be a range advantage thing. Even if he perceived himself to have a range advantage here, he's like, ah, this board hits so many hands that Chi could have. Well, I mean, but that's what range advantage means, well, right? The range advantage is about the board. Well, it is, but it could in a case like this, it could mean like. I may have more super strong hands in my range, but she has so many hands that he won't fold, and I happen to have queen high here that mm-hmm. I don't feel like betting. Okay, but I mean, but when you, I feel like we often have this piece of this discussion, and maybe we need to clarify it for the listeners. Um, I think sometimes you and I mean different things when we say range advantage. So mm-hmm. what I mean is um, like overall range versus range equity. And I feel like sometimes when you're talking about it, you mean it more like um, top of the range. Like who, uh, some, like who can have, get a stronger top of the range? Sometimes I use it for that. Yeah. Um, but I, I see what you're saying, but I generally do mean overall range versus okay. range equity. Okay. What I'm saying is, and let me try to explain this a little bit more clearly cool. then. Cool. Even if Adams believes his overall range versus range equity is higher, he also may believe, even so, I do have queen high here. I don't want to get called. And cheese range, although weaker than mine in general, still has so many calls in its range that it's not worth me betting. 
Um, okay. Does that make sense? Sort of. I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. There's so much more to talk about with this hand. Um, I guess I feel like he just knows, like, on this board in this spot, like, he's not doing well against... This is, like, a range-neutral spot, and he's unlikely to fold out very much of Chi's hands, and so he's going to check rather than bet, even though he has queen high and he would want to fold. Okay, that's essentially what I'm saying. I don't want to okay. belabor this point, but I do want I to either. get it across to you specifically, yeah, Jonathan. Please. I want you to understand what I'm saying. I don't saying. feel like I'm understanding what you're saying. All right, so let's say Adams, in his mind, believes he has uh, like 60% of the equity range versus range okay. like, as a range advantage. Gotcha. Okay? Yes. Even so, he believes that the 40% that she has, his equity, includes enough hands that he can call a bet with that it's not worth betting when Adams has queen high because he wants a fold and he's not going to get one often enough. It doesn't matter that he happens to have an overall range equity advantage. Well, I, I don't believe that's the case, actually. Okay, okay. So I'm glad we clarified. I actually, I think Adams is knowing the, I don't know a whole lot about Adams, so I'm more going against like that stereotypical type of player there. But I'm going to guess if they think they have a 60-40 range advantage, that they're going to bet especially when they have queen high even though they understand they're going to get called sometimes, but like they're going to know that Kui also knows that they have, there is no Kui in this hand. She also knows they have a range advantage and like, this is the kind of board where he doesn't have a range advantage. So he wouldn't make the bet, but the kinds of boards where you would have a 60, 40, I think you would say, of course you would bet that. So I have a feeling like it all fits together. Well, I think it goes back more to range neutrality than anything. Like, okay. Even if, even if Adams has a slight advantage, he doesn't feel like she is going to fold ever almost like, or, or not enough. I mean, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Okay, whatever. We don't have to go on. I know. On. We could clearly talk about this for another hour, but let's not. Okay, let's not. Because I worry about the listeners. I don't. I um, worry about them. No, I mean, not about listening to this. I worry about them. Oh, just like, their lives. are they getting the right nutrients in their diet? I mean, leafy greens, people. Leafy greens. That's part of it, but that's not the whole equation, Jonathan. <laughs> that's true. Buy my book if you want to learn more. Yeah. The Grant, Grant, it's called Grant Cooks You Some Food. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's surprisingly... Let I me mean, tell you, we, we got beef steaks. We got uh, chicken. Cacciatore? Just chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about, those are the two chapters. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so <laughs> moving on. Uh, it goes check, check on the Jack 9-7, two club flop. Yeah. Uh, middle pair for Chi with top kicker. Adams with just queen high. The turn is the king of spades. Yeah. So at this point, I would say there is a clear range advantage for Adams. Yeah. And the king peels off here. No question. Um. It is a very wet board at this point. Uh, Chi checks, and Adams decides to bet. I think that makes sense. I think it also makes sense for Chi to check, right? Yes. That, that is not a good card to bet, for sure, if you're Chi. Um, I, fully, I'm, I would expect, without knowing anything, that it would go check, bet. Like, Chi would check, and Adams would bet, because the king is something he can rep very reasonably, and something he would bet if he had the king or not here, right? Yep. I imagine Chi would have bet, uh, like, a non-club low card most of the time. Um, yeah. He very well might have. Yeah. Um, so Adams decides to bet 1.5 million. And it's an uncomfortable spot for Chi, but I don't think he can let it go right now. I agree. It does suck, though. That's not a card you want to see at all. But no. If you just fold here, you're just getting beat so much of the time. Like, you're beating... I mean, you're, you're folding the best hand too much. You just are. Do you imagine, from Chi's perspective, that Adams is playing range versus range enough that he might check back a jack on the flop sometimes? Yes. Okay, so that means we could also be beat by a jack, which Adams decides to start betting now. He can have two tens. He can have a jack. He can have queens. He can have a king. He might be able to have kings. He might be able to, you know, I mean, he already has a one king. He might even be able to have aces here. He might yeah. be checking back the, his entire range on this flop. Even the nuts? He Probably not the nuts. 
So maybe he's betting the nuts and like a little bit of his like absolute worst hands. And that's yeah, it. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe he expands that too to like some other strong hands and weak hands. But I would guess he's checking everything pretty much on the flop. All right. So if that's the case, it is a little scary. But also if he's betting this turn, no matter what, because he has so many Kings in his range and, and she doesn't have that many, we have to call with middle pair top kicker. Absolutely. Middle pair top kicker. No question about it. Yeah. So she does call the 1.5 million chip bet. And there is now 5.35 million in the pot. Yeah. And the river, Jonathan, is why it's a breakdown hand. Oh, it so often is, Grant. As it so often is. Yes. Yes. And it is the ace of clubs. That is such a cool card. Talk about the the sopping wet card of the century. I mean, let's I mean, not overdo it. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's like, it's pretty wet, though. It's a, a wettish card. It's like a slip and slide of about a half hour after use. Like huh. still a little wet, but it's okay. Not, yeah, sure. You know what? Sure. <laughs> I haven't done a slip and slide for a while. That used to be real fun. I haven't done a slip and slide for a long. I remember the last time I did a slip and slide and it was fun. Of course it was. People get hurt though. Oh yeah. You get hurt. <laughs> oh, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> well, let's see if somebody gets hurt in this hand. huh? Ooh. All right. So the board now reads Jack nine, seven with two clubs on the flop. The turn was the king of spades. The river is the ace of clubs. So everybody's all over the place all the time, always. Adams has whiffed everything. He's got the queen four high. Yep, queen four high. And she is river two pair, but it is not like the best two pair you could hope for in no, a situation like this. It's not amazing, but it's pretty strong heads up here. It's going to be hard for Adams to find a way to win this hand. Of course it is. Yeah. But you know what? If he didn't try, this probably wouldn't be a breakdown hand. Yep. So let's see if he can find a way to make this happen. All right. As Chi, do you want to check or bet? I think we should probably check because if we bet, it's incredibly hard for Adams to call with a worse hand. He can maybe have some weird two pairs, but that club looks like we absolutely can have clubs. We can have two pair. We can have all sorts of things. We have something, by the way, because we called the turn. So us betting means we have a pretty strong range when we bet. If we check, do we imagine Adams is going to bet something like ace 10 for us? Or is he going to check that back? That's a great... I think that's, like, right on the line. I, I would expect he's going to bet ace-queen. I think he probably will go for ace-10. Try and get some value with ace-10 is my guess. But we might be missing value from his weaker aces, you think, by checking. It's possible we're going to miss some value there. Um, yeah. I don't know. Is, is Adams going to think, like, how do you have an ace? Like, you don't have the nut flush draw. Like, yeah. it's hard for you to have an ace here. You can have ace seven or ace nine, I guess. That's it, right? Does that Wait, mean... Wait, ace it? ten? Is ace ten a double gutter? Um, let's see. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah, it is. Okay, maybe you can have ace ten. Yeah. Um, but but I, that's it. So there, so maybe we can... Be, can we be betting all aces trying to get called by a king? It's blind versus blind. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the bad aces will bet anyway. If the bad aces will bet, then we absolutely should be checking, right? Yeah, I agree. We had, we're definitely missing value from king, queen, and king, ten, and hands like that. Yes, but They're, they may fold anyway. Yeah, they may. They may. So, but you're right. We do absolutely miss value from them, but oh well. Checking is also the lower variance option because yes. it is a, a wet river card, and Adams could absolutely have us beat. We're I not mean, just playing for value here with ace nine. Also, if we bet, he could have king, queen, or something like that with the king of clubs and turn his hand to a bluff, and we're screwed. We have to fold, yeah. And that's going to be awful. Yeah. So... We get to mitigate all that or avoid all that anyway by just freaking checking. So I like checking. Yep. That's what he does. You know, you know what I was thinking? 
Huh. Um, perhaps what Adam should do is check into Dash Digital Cash, bro. What? What does that mean? That's the hotel of cryptocurrencies. That's why you're going to check into it. That's not true. No, there's no such thing as yeah. that. No, Dash Digital Cash, though. They are a sponsor of this podcast. And let me tell you why. Because they're awesome. That's not the only reason. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible they also give us a little funding. But they, um, they really, they are one of the great cryptocurrencies in the world, Grant. They are an extraordinary transactional currency where the, the transactional fees are insanely low, like less than a penny. Right now, they are half a penny. I mean, come on. That's a, a good price. A hay penny, if you will. That's as much Dash as you want to spend. Also, the time it takes to send Dash from one fella to another fella, we're talking one to four seconds. That's insane, bruh. It's faster than a credit card. It's insanely cheaper than a credit card. It's better than a credit card It has in a instant, lot of ways. It has instant send, which is a unique feature and a super cool feature, which means it could actually be adopted by merchants someday because yeah. they'll know they have the money right away as if it was used as a credit card, except faster and no transaction fees for the merchant. Right. It's like instant confirmations versus yeah. I send money to Grant normally and it works great and he gets it right away, but it still is like six minutes before it's spendable, which is fine in yeah. almost all cases. But if he needs to be able to spend it instantly, we do instant send. Which costs 10 times as much. Right. So, you know. Five cents, right? Five now. cents. And yeah, I mean, it's, so it's just an insanely useful cryptocurrency. Even now, if you're dealing cryptos, um, if you're not, it's, it's one to really get involved in and check out because it just has so much possibility for the future. Yeah, you can actually use it. And that's what Dash cares about. That's why it has all these really cool features that yeah. allow you to use it so easily. It's trying to be an actual currency, whereas a lot of other cryptocurrencies seem more like a store of value. Absolutely. Um, we encourage you to check out the video we made about Dash and other cryptocurrencies. We explain cryptocurrency and then we explain why Dash is special among them. That's in the link in the description there. There's a link to that. Yeah. Check that out. It's a fun video. Learn a little bit. And, uh, yeah, just something to research because it's just it's kind of fascinating to me. Here's the other thing that it's really important we say, and I hope you guys aren't skipping over this part of it. We're going to give away a lot of Dash, like, soon. Yeah, like, like a weird amount. Somebody's going to be able to pay for a month of their life with the amount of Dash we give away. I mean, depending on what kind of life they leave. Yeah. But yes, I mean, we're going to, we've lost our minds, and we're going to give away some serious, serious digital cash to one lucky person. So watch our Twitter feed for that. It's going to be impressive. Yeah, so you should download the Dash wallet now just so you're prepared. It's not hard to do or anything. It's just super easy. It's just like installing an app and you'll get a receive address and that'll be used when you ask for the money from us because it's going to be a lot of money. Like yeah. we're going to give away a lot of money. If you're confused about how, if it all sounds like, you know, crazy jargon, we're going to make a little video uh, for Twitter, um, which just explains exactly how to do it. We're going to show you how to do it on the wallet. So it's really easy. We've lost our minds. You should really take advantage. Yeah. I, I would absolutely love to enter this contest, but that would seem like a conflict of interest. Correct. Yeah. It would indeed be a conflict of interest. Okay. Let's uh, let's get back to the hand. All right. So we have cheat checking, and now Adams is sitting there with queen high. He's like, okay, is there a way I can win this hand? Right. First of all, I think the first question he has to ask himself is, should I try to win this hand? Okay. Is this a card that I should try to win this hand on, or mm -hmm. is that a terrible idea? Okay, I have, I have a thought on that. Okay. I think the answer is yes, we're supposed to try and win this hand on this card. And okay. I, here's, now, here's my reasons. All right, let's First go. First of all, it's an ace. That's good. Ace is good. We can have an ace. We often have an ace. But as we said, we wouldn't be betting an ace in that often, maybe? Well, we were, set, we were wondering if he bets all yeah. aces, actually. True. But, but he can easily have, like, a good ace. He can have ace-10 himself have picked up a double gutter on the turn and be betting it for value on the river. Okay. Totally reasonable. But here's the other thing. It's much more likely that Adams has clubs than um, Chi has clubs. You got it. Thank gosh. Um, and this is why. I mean, while Adams, 
if Adams is checking back that board 100% pretty much no matter what, whether it's a flush draw or not, because it's a range thing, right? Um, Chi would often bet his flush draws on the turn. But I don't know, but the king, the king hits Adams so much, though. It, eh, that's a fair point. But check calling is sort of poopy with a flush draw out of position. It is, you're right. And maybe if he did take that line with a flush draw, he would lead it on the river because Adams might be checking back all of his value that is not like super strong on the river, and he'd be afraid of that. You might talk yourself into, I really just don't want him to check back ace four here. Yeah. Um, although you could also talk yourself into, he's going to bet ace four. You could, you don't know what he's going to do. And especially if he's got any kind of a read on you and all that, you may feel just obligated to bet. Um, even though it looks super strong, <laughs> you may just feel obligated. So I feel like we can have flushes. We can have aces up. We can have just good aces. And these are all reasons to bet. And we can absolutely fold out a hand like a seven or a nine or a jack. Like a jack is going to hate its life if we make a substantial bet here, right? Yep. That's pretty good. Absolutely. Even, even a king isn't going to love it. Well, Adams does something interesting. Yeah. He decides he doesn't want to just fold out those hands. He wants to fold out a lot of hands. Yeah. And the way he's going to accomplish that is going to be by going all in. I am so happy he did that. You this know how I got all angry like a week ago when we were doing podcasting yeah. because what's his face? Stan, Stan, Stainfield? Stein, Steinman? Steinman uh, folded the set. He's struggling with names today. <laughs> well, you know, if everyone just had the same name, it would be easy. Um, so I just feel like Timothy Adams like took a read of the situation and realized it may not be enough because we're blind versus blind just to make a normal bet here. Like maybe he's going to make, he, he might just decide to hero. We're deep enough. I got to really threaten him in a real way. And so it's, let's do it. So this is a serious point of the trigger. And like we say up until recently, people don't really bluff in this spot when they yeah. bet two times the pot, 10.9 into 5.35. It's more than two times the pot. Adams is putting his life on the line here. Third's 445K. Second is 614K. And first is 983K. So it's powerful that he's willing to do this at this moment. I mean, well, okay. We know what the hands are, but try and put yourself in cheese position. Cheese position? (laughs) 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 That would be like a a monster or a a nice, you know, Roquefort. Anyway, um, Roquefort. Yeah, Roquefort. Nice blue cheese. A a Gouda. So um, if you put yourself in cheese position, what? like my initial instinct would be just to, oh my God, I can't call this. Like, I can't call this. This is like too much. I'm going to be crippled if I call and lose. That's a terrible card. Even though it does improve me, I beat no value here, right? I beat no value. He's not doing this with a seven, right? Right. So that's the next part I wanted to talk about because... You're talking about Adams trying to fold out uh, like a nine or a seven or something by repping an ace. Mm-hmm. He's no longer repping an ace. Correct. He's repping a flush only. Now he's saying, fold your kings. If you some, I don't know. I don't, in some ways, the question might even be, why does Adams feel like he needs to pull this trigger? If Maybe he, because of the clubs. If he had the flush, you mean? No, as a bluff. Why does he feel he needs to bet two, more than two times the pot? He just wants to make sure. He knows the guy's got to show down hand. He just wants to make sure, I guess. Yeah. I wonder if this is a, a bad overbet, though, like you're saying. I wonder if $3 million accomplishes like yeah. a lot more than a third of the results. I think it does. So yeah. I, having said I love it and all that, I'm going to rescind that now. It feels like like if you're Chi, you hate it if you have a king, and you're probably going to have to fold for $3 million anyway, right? Well, if, you have if, to Adam's, strongly consider it. if Adam's knew what Chi's actual hand was, then this is the only way he's going to be able to get it to work. Absolutely. But if he knew that this was Chi's actual hand, he probably wouldn't even try. No, he probably wouldn't. So... So that also comes back to it. So for repping a hand better than an ace, but we would never, 
we're not really trying to get two pair to fold. He's not really he's not targeting two pair. He's no reason to believe Chi no, has two pair. He's targeting like Jack eight. Yeah, like that, you know, King 10, Jack 8, stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Um, he doesn't, there's no reason to think Chi has two pair. Chi has to have aces up usually to have two pair here and he wouldn't be targeting aces up. Right. So it's like one pair. He's just saying you have to fold your one pair. It's maybe seen Chi make a lot of hero calls and he's just saying, yeah, go away. Or maybe he's also seen Chi fold the big over bets. Chi is 22. He might be a hero call aficionado. I mean, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> this is a tough spot though. This, oh, you've got a really good hand, and yet this is a really tough spot. Okay, so now we're in Chi's shoes. Yeah. We have ace nine. It's a jack nine seven board. Uh, the king on the turn, ace of clubs on the river, completing the flush, and Adams mm. goes all in for twice the pot. And I think we can agree that Adams is only repping a flush, right? I'm trying to decide if he has is queen it possible ten? he can have other things. Like a straight? Can he have a straight? Could he have um, top two? Could he have things like that and go all in? It's so hard to get, in your mind, it's so hard to target a calling range if you go all in with top two on this board when the club yeah. comes, right? So yeah. you just can't imagine you'd, do, you'd bet like $3 million and hope to get called by something, right? Yeah, I don't think he has top two. I think the real question is if he has a straight or not. Right. And the straight is just queen 10? 8-10 also. Oh, 8-10 flops it, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't. I mean, would he would he go all in? This is your question. Would he actually go all in with the straight? Yeah, I, he might like, not because again of like, how do I get called by a worse hand? It's so hard unless this kid loves to hero, but like, like suicidally loves to hero, right? Yeah, I feel we like think he's got one pair. We think the kid has one pair. This is a bad bluff. I think the sizing. Man, I think I the, thought it was going to be a good bluff. I think the sizing makes it a bad bluff. I agree. I think he should have. It looks like Chi has one pair. What are we doing? Yeah. Betting two and a half times the pot or whatever. Well, two, two, two and it's a bad theoretical bluff. The moment might be big enough for this to be an effective bluff. Okay. It might be a plus EV bluff because of the moment, even yeah. if it's theoretically a bad bluff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So yeah. I guess we've kind of come to the conclusion that the overbet is a bad bluff, but let's see if we think Adams is doing a good job repping a flush based on the line. Okay. Now, I know we said all of these range-based things on the flop, but traditionally, you would expect him to bet a flush draw on the flop. You really would. I mean, but when he checks the queen high, the queen four, yeah. I think he probably is checking a flush draw. Yeah, that may, be, that may be the case. I think it's likely. Um, but if I was sitting there and I didn't have a ton of data on Adams, I might think, yes. well, he would have bet a flush draw on the flop, right? I might think that. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. And maybe we've actually seen... As Chi, some of this, we've been playing with him at this final table and probably before that. So we may have some information about that. I mean, the reason why, of course, Adams would want to check that is for, for many reasons. But one of the big reasons is if you always bet your flush draws, then it's really easy to figure out what's going on, right? So if you check them based on the board, yeah, it's really now he can still have the flush here. But that is, But it is a bit of a tougher sell. It really is. Unless we believe he's checking all this board 100% of the time, which he really might be. Because he checked back in a spot where he had no equity. Okay, well, if he's checking back the board 100% of the time, then I think it probably is a good representation of a flush draw yeah. because he would bet the king mm-hmm. whether or not he had the king of clubs in his hand because it's a good card for him. Yes. Um, and then he would bet the river. I think the bad representation is the overbet because of what Chi looks like he has. It just doesn't look like Chi can call a shove with anything. I agree. Which is why Adams might do this because he thinks Chi can't call a shove with anything. So the, the question, though, is can Chi actually... One, put the pieces together and say, well, how am I supposed to be beat here? Why would he ever bet this much when it looks like I'm holding on with a nine yeah, or a jack, which is going to hate anything? Like, this is crazy. I don't, my range is not strong here. I'm, 
I actually have a strong hand, but there's no way for him to know that. There's no reason for him to think that. Um, so one, he has to put that together. And then two, if, if he puts that together, he still has to pull the trigger, which is for pretty much his life too. Does Chi have the absolute tippy top of his range? That's a great question. I think ace nine might be the very top. Maybe ace jack. Oh, can he have ace king? Why can't he have ace king? Because you think he'd, he'd, I think he'd, he'd, bet he'd the re-raise. Turn. He'd re-raise ace king. Also bet the turn probably instead of checking. You might check to get because you figure Adams is always going to bet that card. Maybe. Maybe. And then you're just going to call if you check. But I think right? if you're having a limping strategy against Adams, to your point, I think that's a good hand to try to three-back edit in with. With, you know, we're, we're effective like 44 yeah. blinds deep, I think so. Yeah. I think that's a really clear... So I don't think he does have ace-king. Okay, so so ace-jack, like you're saying, then, is is the absolute... So this is the second best hand we can show up with? Yeah. Ooh. Because I don't think Chi plays a straight like this. I think he's betting a straight on the turn, probably. Unless maybe for the same reason he wouldn't bet ace-king. Well, okay, can, can we have flushes? I think we might be able to have flushes. We no, wouldn't. we decided we'd probably bet, even though the king comes on the turn, we'd probably bet him anyway because we don't want to have to check call out of yeah. position with the flush draw. So we're just going to bet it and be like, well, whatever. Like, I know the king's good It's for possible you, she cares? could have straights because of the same reason that he might check ace-king on the turn. They're even better to check on the turn because we don't block Adams having a king. So he has queen-10, you mean? Or eight ten. So he doesn't check check raise at any point? He doesn't check yeah, he the might turn? check raise the turn. He probably does, right? Yeah, it's a wet board. Or just bet it himself. It's hard for him to have queen ten, and it's hard for him. To, it's hard for him to have straights, and it's hard for him to have flushes. This is, I think, this is the second best hand we can have. Yeah, I think it is. Wow, and the story doesn't make a huge amount of sense. No, and the story is fine if if Adams is range based board check guy, but the sizing just is. That's why it's just not there. If the sizing, if if she can have a stronger hand, then the sizing can make more sense. Well, it looks like he's trying to get called when he yeah. makes the nuts or something like that, but. She has given no indication that he has a strong hand here. He looks like he has a, a weak showdownable hand. Which is essentially which is, what he does have. Well, it's what he had until the river. Yeah. Then he has a, a relatively strong showdown. He has a showdownable hand that doesn't love this level of action. But as we said, it's the second best hand he maybe can show up with, which yep. means that's pretty good. Yep. That's pretty good. Now, that's an easy argument to make from our podcast chairs here. Yeah, when we can see the cards, it sure when is. Our, when we can see the cards. But she is sitting there. In his first ever cash in a live high roller tournament, he's 22 years old. Mm-hmm. He's locked up 445K, but there's still more than twice that for first. Like, this is an enormous moment for this kid. Yeah. So it's not so easy just to use a distribution argument and say call. Right. That's right. But maybe, but it goes both ways, right? Like you were saying, he's 22. Maybe he also just thinks like, that doesn't make sense. I call. Like, yeah. I'm just going to do it because yeah. it's right and I don't care. Economically speaking, when you're young is when you're supposed to take the most financial risks. So there you go. There you go. That's why I risk things all the time financially. Because you're how old? Because I'm a youngster. Okay. I'm a youth. A youth. Yeah. Yeah. The youths. <laughs> That's right. Well said. <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, I think she puts this all together because he does call. I mean, I don't know what else he could have thought. if Because it's like, I'm sure he pretty quickly got to this is one of the best hands I can have. Right? Yes. But then you still have to ask yourself, what's going on here, right? You should, still shouldn't call instantly just because it's one of the Right, of course. You, you still have to decide, does the rest of it... You, sometimes it still demands a fold. And, but then be able to look at this and say, like, how can he be betting this much against the range that I'm appearing to have? He's Timothy Adams. He's not an idiot. Right. He's smart. He knows not to do that. So, like, I'm supposed to fold kind of what it looks like almost 100% of my hands here. Yep. So, and... This just happens to be in the top like 
2% of hands I can show up with or something. Yeah. Top 1% or something like that. So I guess I can't fold that. I guess not. And so that, that hurts Adams. Uh, ultimately, it boils down to Adams was not going to be able to win this hand. There was just right. a 0% chance of that happening. Right. No That's matter right. what bet size he chose. Like The just, only way he wins the hand is if he bets flop and turn. He might win. Yeah. He but, might win on the turn then. Right. Yeah. But he may not even do that. Like, yeah. He may bet flop. I, I mean, if he bets flop, he's probably betting turn when the king comes. Once right. he checked the flop, he was not winning this hand. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. He just happened to lose the maximum. He got really in line, and he's just out. Yeah. He's wow. out of the tournament, and she ends up going up heads up against Mustafa Kanet, probably with all the chips, Yeah, and gets first place for 983K. Yeah. I mean, he's got like 95 blinds heads up. Yeah. I mean, he's got Mustafa crushed chip-wise for sure. For sure. Yeah. And so... Mustafa, I would guess, is more skilled than this kid. Oh, yeah. I, it seems very, very likely because he's one of the best players in the world. And Absolutely. We don't know, we Although, never heard who of this knows? Kid. Maybe in a month we'll be like, oh, she's yeah. the new Fader Holtz. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, this is still a big call. Having said everything, like you said, it's really easy to say this from here to call, but this is not an easy call. No. But you do have to make it, I think. Right. I think you do have to sit there. If you let yourself take your time and you get past the, he's threatening everything, you could say, well, why is he threatening everything? And how, what does it look like I have? And why is he doing this? And he would know not to do this. Yep. It's almost like Timothy Adams is saying, this doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't have to. Right. Exactly. Like, I know it doesn't make any sense, but, but it doesn't have to. You're just going to fold. You're 22. You're going to fold. I just want to make sure you fold all of your, your one pair hands, like yeah. all of them. Yeah. And this is, how I'm going to do it. Cause, cause how can you call? Exactly. Yeah. And that really does work a lot. That yeah. how can you call thing? Just every so often you run into someone who's just not interested in playing that game. Yeah. And uh, also, he happened to be at the top of his distribution, which helps, too. Right. I think that's a, a pretty significant misstep by Adams, though. Yeah. And that's rare to see from him because we've yeah. done multiple breakdowns of, of him, and he always does a pretty good job. I mean, you could si- if you want to size it up, you could size it up instead of $3 million. You could make it $4 million, and that's sizing it up, too. That's a big bet. Yeah. That's 80% of the pot. That's a lot of blinds. It's a huge hit to cheese stack, and you don't have to give up the other $6.5 million or whatever it is, $6.9 million. You get to keep that. And... Live to fight, you know? And this is 23 a, blinds. This is a milestone moment. This is the first time in five and a half years that we've done a breakdown where nobody folds a set. <laughs> it's true. No one even makes a big fold. Everyone, it's been five and a half years since anyone hasn't made a big fold on the breakdown, yeah. really. So, nice job. The last one we did was when Amarillo Slim folded on uh, 7th Street in Hilo Stud. Now that's when, a big fold also. Yeah, that was... Oh, sh- See? No, it was, no, it was when, the one before that. Yeah. Where Puggy Pearson yeah. called Again, on 7th Street. Against Sailor Roberts. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one was good. That was incredible. That was, um, yeah, five and a half years ago. Hmm. I mean, they were saying a lot of racist stuff, but it was still, it was a good hand. Wow. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done. We're done. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it home.